Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, You Shall Be Holy Because I Am Holy, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we are experiencing technical issues with our host, Podbean. We need to cancel our account and recreate it. This could cause a temporary outage. Rest assured, we want this correction made as quickly as is humanly possible and with no downtime. However, a small outage may well occur before we are back on Podbean. Our apologies for any issues you may incur. Once again, welcome to our summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Last week, in our episode titled, You Shall Be Holy Because I Am Holy, Part 1, July 18th, we examined what leads up to the statement that is our message study title. We noted, His light and knowledge was communicated to, quote, them, end quote, God's people. So they could point out two things. One, Christ as a Redeemer of His people. Two, His salvation as spiritual and eternal. Of specific note, his salvation is eternal. How can we possibly lose our salvation if that same salvation is eternal? This week, our scripture reads, Therefore, get your minds ready for action by being fully sober and set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance, but, like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy, because I am holy. And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, live out the time of your temporary residence here in reverence. You know that from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, you were ransomed, not by perishable things like silver or gold, but by precious blood like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Christ. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was manifested in these last times for your sake. Through him you now trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. From 1 John chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. I quoted the complete context for proper understanding, 
It provides what we will examine this week as well as the reasoning for it. Hence, why I quoted more than we will study this week. Since angels desire to look into the mysteries of grace, do you apply your minds and diligently attend unto them in opposition to all loose and vagrant thoughts of the mind about other things? Give yourselves up wholly to them. Meditate upon them. Employ yourselves in them and about them seeing they are the study and inquiry of angels, and what the prophets have prophesied of, and searched into, and ministrated, and the apostles of Christ have preached. And besides are things which relate to the person, office, sufferings, and glory of Christ, and the salvation of immortal souls. From the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. This makes our short examination of the curiosity of angels into what mankind does in Christ a bit more clear in closing this subject. Notice what commentary said. Angels desire to look into the mysteries of grace. That better speaks of what angels find curious. The mysteries of grace. Notice also what commentary says. Do you apply your minds and diligently attend unto them in opposition to all loose and vagrant thoughts of the mind about other things? Give yourselves up wholly to them, meditate upon them, employ yourselves in them, and about them, seeing they are the study and inquiry of angels. That almost sounds like it is our responsibility to see to it that what we do and even say is something that angels would want to curiously study and inquire of. If we did that, would we not be holy? Or at least, more holy than we presently are? Can you see the link that is here? They are linked to each other. John Gill sums this up this way. And what the prophets have prophesied of, and searched into, and ministrated, and the apostles of Christ have preached, and besides, are things which relate to the person, office, sufferings, and glory of Christ, and the salvation of immortal souls. I think that is quite clear and direct as to what it is, and what it is not, what the prophets have prophesied of, searched into, and ministrated, as well as what the apostles of Christ have preached, that are things which relate to the person, office, sufferings, and glory of Christ, and the salvation of immortal souls. Immortal souls. That is you and me, folks. All of us who live on planet Earth are who is being referenced as immortal souls. Every day, men and women, yes, 
even our children, if saved in Christ. So how do we think? To answer that question, we are told, gird up the loins of your mind, as persons in the eastern countries were wont, in traveling or running, to gird up their long garments, so gather you up all your thoughts and affections and keep your mind always disencumbered and prepared to run the race which is set before you. Be watchful as servants that wait for the Lord and hope to the end. Maintain a full expectation of all the grace, the blessings flowing from the free favor of God which shall be brought to you at the final revelation of Jesus Christ, and which are now brought to you by the revelation of Christ in you. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. Now, notice verses 14 through 15 in our text. They read, Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance. But, like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct. It tells us, if we are like obedient children, we will not comply with our evil urges that we used to follow in our what? Our ignorance. We are then encouraged, if not more definitively urged. Like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct. Not some of your conduct, not even less of your conduct or even what you think fits in what you presume the right place for it is, but become holy in all your conduct. There is no wiggle room there and certainly no path for making it work where you think you can make it work in only certain situations that are comfortable to you. This presumes that you are even interested to make it work at all. Even though we may not attain a full path of holiness, it is for us to try to achieve that nonetheless. That is a part of the calling. As born-again, sold-out people of God, we are to answer by our actions at the very least. What puts a serious flaw in this path is our flesh lacking the required perfection to actually do this to its fullness? So at best, for humans, it is a constant struggle. Yet, men and women desire a struggle-free life as much as can be attained in this world. Therein is the dichotomy of our struggle to the holy, to the highest possible degree, that imperfect, saved-in-Christ men and women can actually work out or attain. Let us now notice 
verse 16. I will read the full context, which spans three verses, culminating in verse 16, as it is all one sentence. Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance, but, like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct, for it is written, You shall be holy because I am holy. This comment in my Bible is in bold italics, meaning it is referenced from another part of Scripture, as John quoting that part of Scripture, like it was something he knew when he penned this passage. In fact, we find this statement, You shall be holy, because I am holy, in the book of Leviticus. The complete sentence is found in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 through 2, which reads, And Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, and you shall say to them, You are holy, for I am holy, Jehovah your God. From Green's Literal Translation Be you holy separated from all the forementioned defilements and entirely consecrated to God and obedient to all his laws. I am holy, both in my essence and in all my laws, which are holy and just and good. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. These verses also read in the Net Free Bible. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the whole congregation of the Israelites and tell them, You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I think it is quite clear as to just what this comment says to whom and by whom. Commentary provides some help with greater understanding here. Say unto them, You shall be holy, a separate people from all others, abstaining from all the impurity and idolatry they are cautioned against in the foregoing chapter, and observing the holy precepts expressed in this, For I, the Lord your God, am holy, in his nature, essence, originally, independently, immutably and perfectly, and the more holy they were, the more like they would be to him. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Or, it may make better sense if that last part read like this. The more holy they were, the more they would be like him. Holiness is the key here, regardless of how you read that part of the last sentence in John Gill's commentary. I think that makes it very clear what is being related to us in our Bible. We can see that John knew his Old Testament scriptures well. Can we quote New Testament scriptures like John did with Old Testament scripture? Just a question of note and not related to our study. 
Nonetheless, a good question to ask yourself and get an answer from. I think it is very clear who this phrase, you shall be holy because I am holy, is being spoken to and by whom. God is the author of this quote. It is a reminder from John here in his first book of two to his audience and us, the reader. It is also an encouragement, especially to us who serve God today. Today, there are many more issues that God's people of faith in him have to deal with. For instance, in John's day, when he wrote these two books, there was no internet for spreading sinful acts to humankind. So, the importance of these words has only grown over the passing of time. Being fully holy, a separate people from all others, abstaining from all the impurity and idolatry we are cautioned against, and observing the holy precepts. Today, it is far more difficult than in the times past of which John is addressing. Don't get me wrong, John, in his day, had their own difficult issues to deal with that may well have been every bit as difficult to deal with as many today experience with the Internet and its dark side. Unfortunately, how this has worked out in each of us is not exactly the same as we all have different, yet in many ways similar, circumstances and or issues. However, where and how these circumstances differ is why what works for you may not work for me. This means we must reason these things for ourselves. Not discounting what worked for someone else, but realizing at the same time what worked for someone else may not fully work for us or work at all. This conundrum is difficult to navigate and can be seemingly impossible to surmount at times. This is not a reason to give up. It is the perfect reasoning for working through it, whatever it may be. If this is lacking clarity for you, maybe this will better help. The phrase, you shall be holy because I am holy, is referenced in commentary passages as a command and not a suggestion. This command was addressed at first to the Israelites, but it is with equal propriety addressed to Christians as the professed people of compared. The foundation of the command is that they profess to be his people and that as his people, they ought to be like their God. It is a great truth that men everywhere will imitate the God whom they worship. They will form their character in accordance with his. They will regard what he does as right. They will attempt to rise no higher in virtue than the God whom they adore and they will practice freely what he is supposed to do or approve. Hence, by knowing what are the characteristics of the gods which are worshipped by 
any people, we may form a correct estimate of the character of the people themselves, and hence, as the God who is the object of the Christian's worship is perfectly holy, the character of his worshipers should also be holy. And hence, also, we may see that the tendency of true religion is to make men pure, as the worship of the impure gods of the heathen molds the character of the worshippers into their image, so the worship of Jehovah molds the character of his professed friends into his image, and they become like him. From Barnes' New Testament Notes I think this passage helps us better understand what we need to learn about our own holiness. We should prominently note this comment from Barnes' New Testament notes. As the God who is the object of the Christian's worship is perfectly holy, the character of his worshipers should also be holy. Notice how this commentary passage is written. It clearly states that God's holiness is perfectly holy. Yet, of mankind, the same commentary passage only says the character of his worshipers should also be holy. It does not use the word imperfect. Perfect may be implied. However, Notice that, at best, perfect holiness in mankind is, at best, only implied. It does not say that mankind should be perfectly holy as God is perfectly holy. Given our sinful nature that rears its ugliness in all mankind, perfect holiness is seemingly not feasible. However. We do need to strive to be more holy than we are today. Perfected holiness is the goal even though we will most likely never reach it in this life. God is essentially holy. The creature is holy in so far as it is sanctified by God. God, in giving the command, is willing to give also the power to obey it, namely, through the sanctifying of the Holy Spirit. From Robert Jameson, A.R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary, Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Notice this portion of this commentary. God, in giving the command, is willing to give also the power to obey it. This strongly implicates the fact that the reason we do not attain a high degree of holiness is due to our willingness to obey sinful thoughts, ways, and behaviors than to behave in a holy fashion we are called to do and are given the power to succeed in a holy way. Be sober. Be watchful against all spiritual dangers and enemies, and be temperate in all behavior. 
be sober-minded in opinion as well as in practice, and humble in your judgment of yourselves. A strong and perfect trust in the grace of God is agreeable with best endeavors in our duty. Holiness is the desire and duty of every Christian. It must be in all affairs, in every condition, and towards all people. We must especially watch and pray against the sins to which we are inclined. The written word of God is the surest rule of a Christian's life, and by this rule we are commanded to be holy every way. God makes those holy whom he saves. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. We see two very important thoughts here. Part of being holy is, we must especially watch and pray against the sins to which we are inclined. In other words, the sins that are common to us, even the sins we commit unknowingly, We need to pray that God opens our eyes to what we commonly do every day in all manner of correctness, and yet is not because it is sinful in God's eyes. It is caused by our own blindness to what is and what is not holy. Now, notice what God does when you become saved in Christ. God makes those holy whom he saves. This means, when I became saved in Christ, God made me holy. I am certainly not walking in the fullness of this reality created in me by God. He has made me perfectly holy, and now it is my responsibility to learn to walk in that holiness in its fullness. Unfortunately, this sounds a whole lot easier than it is in reality. I will close with the remainder of the paragraph we are reading, found in 1 John verses 17 through 21. And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, live out the time of your temporary residence here in reverence. You know that from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, you were ransomed, not by perishable things like silver or gold, but by precious blood like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Christ. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for your sake. Through him you now trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Next week, we will be in the last verses of chapter 1. Our next portion of study is titled, Purify Your Souls by Obeying the Truth.
We will examine a comparative that compares grass and human flesh. How does that work? How could anyone compare grass to human flesh? Next week, we will see how John does this. Play or download next week's episode in our summer series, Purify Your Souls by Obeying the Truth, from one of our podcast hosts. or. Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Preversion. Also, please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, who we are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh or less. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123. Dot M E. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched. <music>